we start with a little bit about yourself. Uh, Brandon Prince. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I moved here with my family in 96 to the area. Um, my my uh, father brought me here uh, for a job position, kind of, I think I was in sixth grade when I got here. Um, and, and to be fair, love the area, always have, um, coming from downstate areas and uh, kind of been around a little bit. You get to Manistee and it, it's a different atmosphere here. Um, so as I graduated high school, went off to college, met my future wife, um, this is what we call home now. Um, my, my kids graduated here, um, kind of put myself into the community a little bit and uh, we're, we're happy to put, call this place home and, and that's where we've been since. So, Yeah, man, when you just said you moved here in 96, yeah. uh, for some reason I thought you've been a homer here your whole life. A lot of people do. I got a ton of pride in this community. Um, like I said, once you get here and you come from a different place, um, I think you see a lot of that happen more often than not where the community aspect, the people, yeah. um, obviously the amenities of being surrounded by two lakes and yeah. the things we take for granted every day. I can say that now being here long enough, you know, that sometimes I take those amenities for granted. Sure. It's just a beautiful place inside and out. And uh, like I said, raise my kids here, happy to raise my kids here. Uh, my wife loves it here and um, we'll just continue to call this place home. So, so you work at the DPW? I do. And what, what is your role there? I'm the public works lead man. What does that mean? <laughs> so, so it's like a foreman. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, an immediate supervisor, we'll call it. Um, so, so that's that title. It, it carries, carries that balance. I, I do the physical labor, mm -hmm. but also the immediate supervision of maybe tasks, um, jobs, purchasing, things like that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I don't, I don't want to like get in like any specifics or anything as far as um, you know. I'm sure that there'll be people out there that want me to ask certain oh, questions, sure. and I'm not going to do that because sure. it's. A, but what I what I'm curious about is kind of the like day to day operations of the DPW, and uh, you know, if you kind of like walk us through what it looks like. Well, this time of year it's March, so I mean you're doing a lot of stone removal, you're doing a lot of salting, um, but I'm sure that there's a ton of tasks that we're not seeing that, that go on behind the scenes or that you're, you know, you're foreshadowing for it. Well, spring's coming, so we're right. going to be having some spring pickups, we're gearing up for that. And then of course getting ready, this, the city ready for summer and the influx of tourism and all the seasonal residents coming back. So. Right. Um, so, so the big thing of the public works in a in a nutshell is we're actually spread across different departments. So there's a street department, which includes okay. four, four employees. Um, there's like a vehicle maintenance fabrication department. That's two employees. The parks department is two full-time employees. Um, the water department is three employees. And then we have our wastewater department, which is four employees with one of them being a utility director. And then we have the bridges, um, both bridges we man in town, US 31 and Maple Street, and those include three employees each. Um, so it's spread across that. So each department has those tasks day to day. Um, right now, you know, the parks is kind of rehabbing a couple restrooms in town, um, but they're also maintaining the skating rink, right. which, you know, that's mother nature seems to always pitch yeah. a fit for us sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
but they're doing things like that. Uh, we're rehabbing like things in the park, like picnic tables. I think right now we've rehabilitated 40 picnic tables. We've sanded them down, replaced hardware nice. that needed it. We stained them. Um, last year we did benches in house, you know, brought mm-hmm. them in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's things like that, maintaining mowers. Um, that's what two guys in the parks are really doing. We do assist with giving them a couple bridge tenders here and there to help. Um, they're, they're a big asset within some of those maintenance items. Um, and then the street department, those four guys are doing your plowing and your tree removals. So in the wintertime, we're removing tree removal requests that have been approved by the tree commission. And those go between 40 and 60 trees a season. So in those couple more months, four guys are out doing full tree removals um, and then our maintenance department is making sure all the equipment's just in a constant, either good shape or repairing yeah. things that have happened. Um, and then our water department's obviously maintaining and operating the whole water system and vice versa for that wastewater. So when you break it apart, it might seem like there's a lot of us, but those no. day-to-day tasks. I, dude, I'm listening to this, and, bef- <laughs> and, and as you went through everything, but when you preface this by saying, well, there's two guys in this department, Correct. and there's three guys in this one, and Correct. four guys in this one, and two in this one, yep. it sounds like you guys don't have enough help. All right. We have a great staff, and, and I, I really stand by that. Um, they do well. Um, they're up to every task, every challenge. Uh, we do face a ton of challenges. Um, sometimes those challenges might take us a little bit, um, but we've come so far in, in ability um, that as we go further and further into day-to-day ideas and, and things that might come our way, it seems like they always stepped up to the challenge. Um, they, they are a great group of guys. They come together, you know, yesterday um, we had a, a big water main break right at the end of River Street. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, and, and within, I think I, I got up out of a chair at maybe 9.30, 10 o'clock. It just got the call in and then went to react. Um, that water department of three guys and then our two sewer maintenance guys um, had it repaired by 1 o'clock, 1.30. Um, and it was an 8-inch shear break, you know, with a, a flange that let go. And couple hours later five guys had water restored and the system back up and going properly so it's things like that that reactive in a day because sure. some days bring different things so um they are we short-staffed i perfect world yeah we would we would like more here and there right um but i, I think every day that if the guys woke up with that mentality it probably yeah. wouldn't be a good one right um and i, I don't i don't think that they put that in front of them um, I think every day they just do their job to the best of their abilities and, and what the, the day brings them. Um, and we see that all the time, that it doesn't matter how much snow, we'll get it cleared quicker than most. Um, it just takes some time, and, and we have to do it properly. So, Yeah, I mean, I don't have any complaints. I think you guys yeah. do a kick-ass job. I love, I love seeing you guys in the morning when I'm out right. shoveling and they're out there just grinding. And I get up early, so usually when I come downtown, the right. town, there's nobody downtown but you guys. Right. Which is nice to see. And when you think of, like, even little, just a perspective, that's four guys downtown. They remove all this snow from this place, you know, from this stretch. Four guys. Wild. Yeah. Wild. How many guys are out for leaf pickup? So, so leaf pickup. That's crazy. Right, right. So, that's that's a, uh, obviously, a, we'll call it a hot topic, right? 
Um, so, so leaf pickup, we've changed, right? In the past, um, the process was a, a large loader, mm-hmm. a pickup truck with like a front snow plow on it, and then three dump trucks. And then what would happen is that that loader would come in, the pickup truck would push leaves with that front snow plow, scoop it, turn and load trucks. Um, just recently, uh, three to three years ago, we bought we found a piece of equipment that the director, once he kind of looked into it with me, and then we got to see it in action, video wise. Um, the efficiency rate it changed we were able to drop a guy at a truck um and it's called a tink and you've probably seen it now it looks like a claw yeah, with yeah. the bottom on it yep. well that removes a pickup truck i mean can you imagine what that pickup truck the, i don't want to say abuse the use it gets well, yeah when you're scooping it into a large metal bucket and trying yeah. to time it um backing up all the time um now everything's just kind of go for mentality nice. so really leaf pickup Equipment-wise, to be able to pick it up, four guys. I mean, that maximizes your equipment, and it, it's a lot more efficient today with that tink. It's called a tink. Sure. Um, than a pickup truck and a, just a loader bucket. I like so that. we maximize the equipment. Um, you know, they have different equipment out there, vacuums, um, things like that. Those come with a, the risk of what somebody puts in a leaf pile, right? It's fan-driven, things like that. So if you go out, get a vacuum, yeah, it works. Um, but then you run that kind of that risk of downtime with maybe someone throws a 2x4 in that pile out of habit because most of the time it just goes away. You know, most people just yeah. kind of empty things and um, gets caught up in a fan, breaks a fan. Well, now it's downtime, right, to get that vacuum back up and going. So there's different ways to do it, but we found the tink really doesn't cause us any downtime at all. It's a it's a straightforward go. The biggest thing is Mother Nature, right? right. Um, the leaves fall. No one can predict when those leaves drop. Um, mm. Me and you are the ones that are raking. And I can tell you, I've looked out my yard and went, nah, it's not done yet. I'm going to do it. You know, I got one maple yeah. tree in my front yard, and that little shit will not drop until the snow right. hits the ground. Snow, and it's just inevitable. <laughs> um, so so it's that, I don't want to call it a guess. It's an educated guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we monitor it. Sure. Especially in that month of uh, late October, you start to try that guessing game of when's the best time to to make the biggest impact with our guys right. just constantly working in that aspect uh, rather than just driving around looking for a pile they're just a non-stop here we go we're picking them up um you know the biggest fear is that snow when the snow hits rightfully so people don't want them back in their yard they raked them once right, absolutely those yeah. plows scare a leaf pile and the people that raked them totally respect it <laughs> um but sometimes it's you know it's the nature of the beast yeah um, but our, our plow drivers are aware, and you know we did have a couple instances this past season where a couple a couple snow you know if it was hidden enough by enough snow, um, when we went back out to pick up leaves after we removed snow, um, they, they raked out the yard um, we'll, we'll take care of it you know yeah. we, we, we see and respect what people are doing in their yards and taking pride in that, and we take the same pri- try to take the same pride on the the reverse side of it of cleaning up after ourselves too so so you guys take all that leaf and all the yard waste yeah. to 
we have a compost pile. So <clears throat> I don't want to get myself in trouble, but I go out there and I. Are we allowed to do that or no? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I just I just ruined it for everybody. That's right. So because the compost is money, dude, and we it, put it, my yeah. wife puts it on her uh, garden, but I got right. money more. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so if you if you are looking for dirt, um, dirt is available to black dirt, the compostable yeah. material yep. um, that is made from putting out the leaves and yep. things like that. And we go out there and we maintain that compost. Oh, I, I've seen you guys out yeah. there working it. Um, so we bring in black dirt to MCC school. There's a bunk out by the recycling area, mm-hmm. and we try to maintain just a constant black dirt pile oh, for okay. residents to pull up and put in buckets or whatever containers you have. I didn't know and that. that compost is free to city residents. Thank you for that. I didn't know that. I go there. I mean, I, I, right. I recycle out there, but I sure. didn't know that that was for... Yeah, uh, public use. So yep. that's cool. Yep. So when you see that 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 thing, even if if somebody didn't see, you know, hey, it's low on black dirt. Phone call the public works, and and we put it within either a couple hours or a day. Someone will make sure there's more dirt in that that bunk for people to utilize. I know a bunch of people that go out to the. Like, <laughs> they're gonna be pissed. <laughs> that's all right. But hey, one of the one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, was your coaching and mentoring? Yeah, absolutely. you're super in the soccer. If we can, if we can go back just a, a little bit. So when when you and I were in Manistee High School, yep. Uh, so in the in the mid to late '90s, when I was in high school there, uh, I don't really remember a soccer program uh, that was that was the size that it is today for sure. I mean, even when I was coming up in school, we didn't have football until we got to high school. I mean, we right. had flag football. Um, and soccer wasn't wasn't really well. It's definitely not what it was today. Right. And the whole, you know, at least the culture that I grew up in, you weren't playing soccer. You you were going to play football or you're going to play basketball or baseball. And soccer was something that you did in like with the MRA, yep. and then it ended there. Right. Um, so if you want to just kind of briefly talk about like the, the the growth of the program, because I feel like it's kind of was starting as you were coming up and going through high school, and then. So we moved here in 96, um, coming from downstate area, kind of similar situation. They had AYSO. So downstate, that was a a larger youth soccer program. Um, Moving up here, I played AYSO. Uh, My father got me into it um, as a young young lad um, downstate. Um, And then what brought us up here, um, obviously the interest, especially to me and my younger brother, uh, was staying in soccer. My older brother played it as well, but no high school team. Right. Um, so as we got here, figured out MRA, played a couple years our MRA. Well, once you got to seventh grade, I believe mm-hmm. it was, it, there was nothing. There was no club. There was no high school team. I know there was a group of people, and if I tried to name them all, um, I'd miss somebody, so I'd feel terrible. Um, but I know there was a small group of, of, of people that put – their own money forward did a lot of legwork in creating a manistee club team which would be those junior high grades um so i was fortunate enough to have a father who joined that that group of people um to be part of that first club season um and then those you know it it takes people you can't just do it with two guys you know but there was a a group of girls and boys 
um, that joined this club team and um, got a good following. Um, and then that same group of people kind of went to the high school and, and kind of, hey, we've got a new sport, let's try it. And thankfully the high school in 1998 would have been the inaugural yeah. Manistee High School soccer season. My older brother was, uh, was a senior on it. So he got to take part in it, and me being a fre- incoming freshman, you know, I was kind of a freshman on that new inaugural uh, program. Um, so going into that, you know, my dad was a, a JV or assistant coach for the varsity team uh, with Paul Sitz, and uh, Richard Gillian was the JV yeah. coach, and they just kind of, you know, started the, the fresh stuff um, being into it and and those guys were big parts of the club teams too um so it kind of just phased its way into there and and after graduation um you know I, I came home after college and did some JV help coaching um when I was in my young maybe 20 21 um and then I just kind of stayed with it had uh had some children and of course I brought them through the same path I took uh, putting them into MRA soccer, and I did youth coaching with, with my boys and then um, kind of did uh, some help with the club teams uh, coaching. And then uh, I assistant coached the varsity team. Oof, if I started going back, it's, it's a while back, 2010 sure. maybe. Yeah. Um, did that for a couple of years, and then I became the head coach for the varsity program 2013-14, I believe. Um, and then have been doing it ever since. So it's kind of a lineage in me, um, especially this, this program at Manistee High School. Um, I was one of the freshmen that, yeah. that got to take part in the inaugural season and then continue it, um, try to bring back that tradition I remember those men bringing to me as, as a 14-year-old kid. Um, I don't forget those days, and I try to instill that pride um, into the, the young men I get to meet along the way, and, and they do it great job of of continuing that so it's been fun it's been a pleasure um i look forward to every summer coming because that's when we start our our running and conditioning and uh kind of always get antsy for that fall season to come around because i've done it since i was i was young so yeah i I enjoy it yeah my son played for briefly but i mean he he spoke highly of you and your and listening to him talk about how you interact with the with the kids is uh you know cuz there's there's good coaches and there's bad coaches there's people that you know are like father figures and yep. there's and there's and there's coaches out there that um, do a really good job of beating young men and women down right. and not and not bringing them up and uh, from what i could see from a you know like kind of a spyglass you're sure. you're kind of that well, strong mentor that. father yeah. figure you build these young people up, and I think that's important. I think we, we don't get a whole lot of that these days. You know, when I when I started coaching, when it was mine, right, and, and I hate to use that possessive word, but when I became that, that head figure of it, I remember sitting down and, and even in my interview process, right, um, putting together a ref or a cover sheet sure. for my resume, um, which entailed basically Manistee soccer. You know, I wasn't bringing in licensing and, and yeah. all these, you know, I come from Europe and I have, I, I didn't have that. The one thing I did have was pride in Manistee High School. Yeah. And, and I, I put that out there in, a, in a, that cover letter of I, I, I'm a 
I don't know if it's too soon. I'm a Chippewa, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I, I grew up that way. I had pride in it, especially in the soccer aspect. Um, so, so going into that, I thought, man, I, the biggest thing is I'm just part of this. I've always been part of this. Um, win or lose, I, I, I can't. I can't sit there and force something on young men who come to me that are swimmers. I remember your son. What a great runner. I know the kid enjoyed running, right? I can't turn and go, well, no, you, you have to play something. No, he's a great runner. Yeah. How can I utilize his strength? Sure. Um, I, I can't spend every day with Trent teaching right. him this, this, and this because <laughs> Trent would get sick of me. Right. So I thought those little moments I have with these student athletes, I'm just going to utilize their strengths. Yeah. And just kind of just build on it. Um, each each kid brings a different aspect. I mean, I've I've said, and you can bring in almost every player that I've had in those ten years as a as a coach. Every kid is important to me. Um, even the last guy that might not play, you know, the the role he has on a team is just as important as the goal scorer, or the right. goalkeeper, um, and we establish that right from the beginning because you got to have it all. I can't have, you know, 11 guys playing a soccer field. I can't have 11 guys on a soccer team. I still got to practice. So I need 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, they need that. Actually, I don't. They need right. that for each other. They make each other better. Um, I'm huge into team aspect. It's acceptance of each other, um, different walks of life. I mean, you can imagine I, I've got to experience it. A lot of student athletes come from a lot of different walks of life, yep. and a lot of their stories they didn't ask for. Hundred um, percent. But the biggest thing I see in kids is that I've been blessed with is their support system um, means a ton. Parents are huge, and they, they, I think we get away from that, even as parents. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've got kids that have been through different programs, and and I always reflect on myself as whether my kid's the best or, or the most talented or not, um, I'm, number one, going to support my child. Sure. But I'm also going to support the program that they're in. So if it's basketball and my son's not the, the best basketball player, good, then accept your position, accept that role, and I'm going to support that every kid on that bench and every coach on that, that team. Um, and I've been blessed with that. I mean, my parents have been absolutely wonderful in my years. Um, I have that initial conversation with them at the beginning of the season of support, and uh, you can see the young men they're raising, and it, it's a big help to me. Uh, it makes my work easier. Um, but it, the parents are huge. Um, I've had a great sets of parents that have created great young men. Um, so sometimes that, that makes it easier in the mentoring Yeah, I can see aspect. how they can make it easy, and I can also see how it could make it difficult. <laughs> Um, times are changing times yeah. are changing absolutely i've you know you face some of those challenges but a lot of it's communication and honesty right. um you know i won't go too much into locker room talk sure. but my number one rule on my team inside the locker room and outside on the field um between me and the players is honesty i mean it's trust right we have to be truthful with each other i'm not a cheerleader i'm a coach I like so it. if i sit there and ruru and rah rah yeah all day well, what if you were doing something wrong? Right. I have to be able to coach you, right? Um, the idea is to improve and get better. Well, if I can't do that in a coaching manner and you're too, I don't want to say sensitive about it, but too against the idea, well, that makes it difficult for yourself. For me, because then it trickles. 
Um, so I ask the same with the parents. Let's just be honest with each other. So, you know, one of my things is um, talk to your kids. Communicate. I, I tell the kids, you know, they're quiet. Some kids are just quiet. Um, and I've had the quietest of quiet, I feel. But I always tell them, go home and talk to your parents every day. Go home and tell them how practice was. Go right. home and tell them how, even if they didn't ask, communicate with them. It starts that dialogue that, you know, I don't know how, I don't want to judge families, but I think we're missing the kitchen table sometimes. Man, I tell you what, I'm just sitting here <laughs> listening to you, and the only thing I can think of is like our supper at home and right. how everybody's around the table. And, right. you know, that might look different to other families. Absolutely. They might do it a little bit different, yeah. but I mean, for us, for the opportunities that I have with my children, my wife, when we, that's our time right. to talk. Right. You know, there's a lot more talking than eating yes, at our table. Is. That's and, how we are. And I Absolutely. love it. And yep. I love it. And, we're, and what you're saying is, wow, man, I got goosebumps. You know, but yeah, that's, that's what I explained to them. And, and creating that dialogue. And like I said, if you're honest with your parent, so if you go home and, man, I had a real rough day shooting today, right? Dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, whoever it is sitting on the other side of that table, when they get to see, well, maybe James isn't playing as much, well, that person knows, well, he's working on shooting once it gets it. This should turn right, and you see yeah. those change that communication between me, the player, the player to their parents. If that exists, it's usually bliss. <laughs> um, and and I do. I see a lot of kids change as as young men through the years. They're with me. Their confidence will start to rise because that communication is right. coming out of them. The reality of what's actually happening around them, the the ideals of me getting better as a as a player, um, as a student. I mean. I, I appreciate our AD, Mr. Cott. He taught me it years ago. He probably doesn't realize it, but the value in athletics to students. Sure. I mean, he's put up the, the statistics on a, on a PowerPoint one day for the coaching staff. And when I really looked into it at 28 years old, I was like, wow, wow. That, academics is huge when it becomes to athletics when a when a when a player or a student is in athletics it really influences their academics it creates a structure that forces well i don't want to say forces but develops it definitely develops well you're looking at accountability from the beginning so i'm accountable now to my team i'm accountable to my coach i'm accountable in scholastics because if i can't keep my shit together in the classroom i can't can't play play. right and you can see the statistics that the value of athletics in in high school students across the board is is so important so when i see that you see these kids that maybe aren't the best students because I, I can honestly say I, I, there's teachers out there that will probably watch this that will fully yeah. agree with me. I wasn't the greatest student. Right. Um, academia was not my world. Um, but it forced me to do it, like you just said, where if I don't do this, I don't get to do the thing I love or enjoy doing. Right. Um, and when kids do that, they create that habit, good habits mm-hmm. of doing homework and things like that, where if they didn't have it, they fall off. Um, so... So those things I've learned early at an age of how am I going to view coaching? Am I going to view it as how much trophies I'm bringing in, how many wins I'm winning? Um, and real early I learned winning starts to come with, with the good things that are going on that right. maybe don't necessarily entail itself to the direct sport itself. Um, I've had a lot of kids come through that I, to this day I couldn't be. Those are my trophies, and I don't say that as a – you know, sensitive su- subject, but 
there are young men today I see that I remember as freshmen where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, who they are today as young men. Um, they're outgoing. They're successful in their own rights. They carry themselves differently. Um, that Those are my proud moments where I'm like, you can have all the trophies. You can have all the wins. It's those things that mean so much to coaching, especially at these levels. Um, so I, I kind of learned that and turned the ship a little bit right early on I mean right 27 years old it was state title or bust and yeah yeah <laughs> right? you know what I mean? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I get it. Michigan yeah. State's gonna call here soon anytime yep. I know they saw my last Scottville game <laughs> you know I did <laughs> you know and, and once you realize that phone call's not ever coming right um and I learned that quickly that that's where I turned my ship a little bit and the focus went really in a different direction uh and it's, it's a benefit. I, like I said, I, the locker rooms are huge in my world. The locker room actually is the most important aspect to me, is who's in it and what they're doing in it. Um, and then it reflects, yeah. uh, you know, on the training ground and also in games. So um, we've had successful teams, wins and losses. But I can tell you if I, I let a lot of people into those locker rooms, there's bigger successes than those wins and losses. Yeah. I can tell you that. So. Well, how's this season looking for you? So I, mean, I know it's early. I know. So that, last uh, year we had uh, obviously a good season, yeah. right? Um, we we won a district title. Um, we were so red, sixteen and four, I think, yeah. last year. I'm not a big numbers guy. I obviously I just explained why, but yeah. um, you know we we lost uh, a tough game last year to the state champions, West Michigan Christian. We were up four to one. Um, just wild. Yeah, dude. and then I mean, we lost a, it in the last couple yeah. minutes. So at the end of the season when they came state champions, so that was one of our losses, of course, losing to Alma in the regional semifinals in a shootout. Um, and then, of course, our our friends down down county, <laughs> we lost to. We were second in the conference. We were 9-1. and one. Uh, We had a great group of guys. Uh, I think there was 15 of them, you know, and you got to have 11 to play. So perfect number for them I mean that's what they needed yeah everybody did their job and did it amazing um we're returning quite a bit next year I have a junior class from this past season that's returning and a lot of them were starters um a lot of them were all conference so your expectation is probably different than mine but yeah we're we're excited to uh to get back out there and see where where we leaving off you know the mantra we had last year I said it to the paper said it to the players you know well they said it to me first you know they had that run it back mentality let's run it back yeah because they lost in the district finals as sophomores that year before yeah. so so they were able to go to two district finals and have different results both years so I think they're a little hungry I, I hate to say run it back I think they got some unfinished business <laughs> that they left on the table so I'll see what they start to say to me come July because I, uh, I definitely think they're gonna have something for me that I'm gonna yeah. have to, I'm gonna have to tell the the people. So I can see it on your face. Yeah, oh, how they, excited you are for this coaching group, for the season. And. This group, they're special. Um, every group's been special, but they're special in a different route. Um, when I got my youngest into soccer, um, this is that group. So I've got to see these guys since they were four years old with two big of socks on and oversized shirts on a Saturday at Duffy yeah. running around with the dew on the grass and the, you know, <laughs> cold air. Um, I've got to see them since they were that age. Um, and now here they are. Um, 
I've got to go the last two years with them, um, and this is kind of their final hurrah as that group that I remember just watching with my son being part yeah. of it at such a young age. Um, they, yeah, they bring a smile to my face, especially those guys. They know who they are because I've said it to them all the time. You're the one I've waited for. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're a special group. I, we're losing some seniors that just a huge part of the program. Um, but they got to learn from them, the, those guys, and uh, they're just going to carry the baton. You know, this next group will carry those batons forward, and, and they'll do a great job. Have you had, have you had any players go on to play at, a, at the next level? I have. Level? I've had uh, – four nice and then um there's some that had the opportunity they just that wasn't their their fork in the road they chose a different way rightfully so um so yeah we've had a we've been able to as a program get a lot of kids to the next level um I think especially in an area like this where soccer is such a an isolated thing uh, you can't play year round no and even downstate you know downstate club soccer is so massive now there's so many different levels to club soccer, and it's such a catalyst for kids to move forward. It's a big part that they have to do to get to the next level. In this area, we're just stuck on an island. Yeah. Um, and to say we've had those guys move on without that ability to play at those kind of club levels um, says a lot about them. Um, but, yeah, we've been able to let kids on scholarships and, and have the opportunity to play at the next level. Uh, you know, Ben Schlaff from last year, he's going to move on to, to further his soccer career at, at college. Yeah, right. so it seems every every other year we're getting a kid um, to, to fulfill his dream on the next level. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been fun. That's an experience. Uh, the first time was, oh, this is cool. Second <laughs> time, this is, oh, this is stressful. And now yeah. it's kind of become a, yeah, we know what we're doing. We'll figure this out. So. <laughs> Well, Brandon, man, this has been awesome. Yeah, I appreciate this is it. Really bro. cool, dude. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the, yeah, thanks the for coaching having me. part of this yeah. conversation. Oh, I could talk about it for days. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you can. <laughs> I I'm could sure fill hours. Can. I really appreciate this. Yeah, man. I appreciate. Thank it. you so much for hey, coming. Hey, thank out. you. Cheers.